Good evening, everybody. So glad you We are finishing up the story of Ruth. I'm really excited but sad at the same time. It's been a great study of what a, a great lady, somebody who is a very good example to us, and I hope that you've been encouraged by it. And tonight I want to finish chapter 4, and then I want to just go into some things that we can take from the whole story, and the lesson will be yours tonight. We left off in chapter 3 with a cliffhanger. Have y'all been waiting? Did y'all read ahead? We didn't know if Boaz, isn't this good stuff? I mean, this is, this is way better than them TV shows. Ruth doesn't know if she's going to be able to marry Boaz. She doesn't know if it's going to happen. Look at verse 18 in Ruth chapter 3. The Bible says, Then she said, Sit still, my daughter, until you know how the matter will turn out. For the man will not rest until he has concluded the matter this day, which moves us into chapter 4. Verse 1 says, Now Boaz went up to the gate and sat down there. And behold, the close relative of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, Come aside, friend, sit down here. So he came aside and sat down, and he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the close relative, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, sold the piece of land which belonged to our brother Elimelech. And I thought to inform you, saying, Buy it back in the presence of the inhabitants and the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not redeem it, then tell me, that I may know, for there is no one but you to redeem it, and I am the next after you. And he said, I will redeem it. Now, what I want you to do is keep your finger here and turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 25. Deuteronomy chapter 25, which talks a little bit about this buying and the duties of serving as a brother. And and, in verse 5 is where... I want to begin. Remember, Elimelech's dead, and the two sons are dead. So if that happens, it goes to the next kin. So that would be the cousin, right? The closest one, and then so forth. But watch how this goes down. Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 5. If brothers dwell together and one of them dies and has no son... The widow of the dead man shall not be married to a stranger outside the family. Her husband's brother shall go into her, take her as his wife, and perform the duty of a husband's brother to her. And it shall be that the firstborn son which she bears will succeed to the name of his dead brother. What was the purpose of this? It was to continue the lineage. It was to continue the name, right, of the brother. So he says... 
verse 6, And it shall be that the firstborn son which she bears will succeed to the name of his dead brother, that his name may not be blotted out of Israel. But if the man does not want to take his brother's wife, then let his brother's wife go up to the gate to the elders and say, My husband's brother refuses to raise up a name to his brother in Israel. He will not perform the duty of my husband's brother. Then the elders of the city shall call him and speak to him. But if he stands firm and says, I do not want to take her, then his brother... Now watch what happens. Then his brother's wife shall come to him in the presence of the elders, remove his sandal from his foot, spit in his face, and answer and say, So shall it be done to the man who will not build up his brother's house. And verse 10 says, And his name shall be called in Israel the house of him who had his sandal removed. What an embarrassment it would be to be spit right in your face, wouldn't it? And to get your sandal removed from your foot because you didn't want to carry on this tradition that God had set forth for them to do. But look at what happens back in Ruth chapter 4. We see these sandals and and all this taking place. Look at verse 5, Ruth chapter 4, verse 5. Then Boaz said, On the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you must also buy it from Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, uh, to perpetuate the name of the dead through his inheritance. And the close relative said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I ruin my own inheritance. You redeem my right of redemption for yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Now, this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging to confirm anything. One man took off his sandal and gave it to the other, and this was the confirmation in Israel. Think about that in relation to what we just read. If the brother didn't want to do it, then the one who was uh, married to the brother could go and spit in his face and take his sandal, and his nickname became the one who had his sandal removed. That was probably well known, and it probably was a very serious matter in those times. But look at this. Verse 8, Therefore the close relative said to Boaz, Buy it for yourself. So he took off his sandal. And Boaz said to the elders and all the people, You are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Chilon's and Milon's from the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth, the Moabitess, the widow of Malon, I have acquired as my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead through his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brethren and his position at the gate. You are witnesses this day. And all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, we are witnesses The Lord make the woman who is coming to your house like Rachel and Leah, 
the two who built the house of Israel, and may you prosper in, and I'm going to pause here because I practiced this word, and I still can't say it right. So I'm going to have my Bible scholars, when we get done, tell me how to pronounce that word, okay? So I'm going to skip over it, and I'm going to wait for you. And you may prosper uh, in this word and be famous in Bethlehem. May your house be like that, uh, like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah because of the offspring which the Lord will give you from this young woman. A lot of reading. Just hang with me. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And when he went into her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then the woman said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a close relative. And may his name be famous in Israel. And may he be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is better to you than seven sons, has borne him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her bosom and became a nurse to him. Also the neighbor women gave him a name saying, There is a son born to Naomi. And they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now this is the genealogy of Perez. Perez begot Hezron, Hezron begot Ram, and Ram begot Abinadab, Abinadab begot Nashon, and Nashon begot Salmon, and Salmon begot Boaz, and Boaz begot Obed, Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David. And we'll look at that in just a few minutes. But what an incredible story. The cliffhanger is resolved by Boaz being able to marry Ruth. And not only able to marry Ruth, but they have a child. And what a blessing it is to the real uh, uh, person of this story, who is Naomi. Naomi is allowed to have this son, and the name is continued, and what a blessing it is, and the things that are said to her. I want you to just think about verse 15. It says, and may he be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is better to you than seven sons, has borne him. For you, Naomi, for you. God is with you. Think about what all has happened in this story. And as we do that, I want us to think about this first thing. Don't let the past hold you back. Ruth is from a place that the children of Israel did not mess with. From Moab. It was very frowned upon. It was a place that you didn't have any relations. And here comes this lady Ruth from Moab. But not only that, she comes from this place and she moves to a a nation where she doesn't know. She's not familiar with the customs, but she's also lost her husband. She's lost her husband and she has no child. Some people would think that she was barren, which was looked down upon in that day. And she wants to stay with her mother-in-law, but Naomi doesn't really want her to stay with her. You remember? No, go back to your gods. Go back to your people. 
Don't be with me. You don't want to be around me right now. I am not in a good way. But she stays. Ruth had every opportunity to go back to her place where her family was. She had every right to go into this deep depression. We all would understand why she felt that way. She could go into hiding, but she doesn't. Ruth doesn't let her past hold her back. Isn't that awesome? Boy, what a powerful relation uh, to us today. She doesn't let the past hold her back, but she believes that there was life that she still could live. And she does it. She does it with confidence. I want you to think about this verse, Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. You remember what Paul says? He said, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. How long will we live our lives thinking about those things in the past? How long will we live our lives and not think about the future and allow those things to keep us from doing what God has in store for your life? And I'm not standing up here preaching a feel-good lesson, but you know what? When you do God's will, it will feel good. Amen? I'm not up here talking about it's all good and there's no problems and you'll never have a situation and when you become a child of God, everything's going to be smooth. I'm not saying that at all. Think about what Ruth has gone through. But what did she do? How was her attitude? Why is she such a great example for us? Because she did not let her past hold her back. Paul has the same attitude. He says, it's not that I count myself as apprehended. No, I hadn't finished yet. But one thing that I do, I forget about those things which are behind. You know, those things that keep me snared up. Those things that keep me entangled. Those things that keep me trapped. I forget about those and I reach forward. How did Ruth do that? She was thinking about somebody else. Love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus has given us the way to be successful when these times come. When the tough times come. And we see it way back with Ruth. What else can we learn from this story? Ruth. She not only didn't let the past hold her back, but she was full of faith. Now, did she have full faith in God yet? It doesn't really describe all the way. But you remember what she says. Look with me in Ruth chapter 1. Ruth chapter 1, when she makes the famous statement to Naomi. Verse 16, she says, For wherever you go, I will go, and wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God will be my God. There's a changing of her attitude. There's a changing of the way that she believes. There's a changing of the way that she thinks. But you can see by her actions that she was full of faith. She showed what faith 
really is, brethren. You know what I'm talking about, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, where it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen, right? Think about this. She comes to a foreign place. She don't know nothing about it. (laughs) She don't know what's going to happen to her, but she does it anyway. That's faith. That takes some faith to do that. But it even gets better than that. You remember in Ruth chapter 2? Look with me. In verse 3, it says, Then she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. We have to appreciate this point. This was in the time of the judges where everybody did what was right in their own eyes. You talking about a day? Well, I feel like I need to do something to you. Well, who said? I said. It's my rule. I get to make the rules up around here, and this is what we're going to do. I'm going to treat you in such a way, ma'am. Come with me, please. But what did she do? She did it anyway. A woman out in the field with all kinds of situations, with all kinds of rough men and rough women out there looking out for theirself. What does she do? She goes and gleans in the field not knowing what might happen to her. That's faith. Then she finds the right man. Good old Boaz, right? What an awesome man he is. She finds Boaz, and, and maybe she feels a little bit of a comfort in him. She gives, he gives her food. He gives it to her mother-in-law. He tells the young men to stay away from her, but watch her. All of these things Boaz does for her. But then she finds out, you remember the cliffhanger, she may not be able to marry him. The doubt comes in. But what does Ruth do? She holds on. She keeps her mind where it needs to be at. And that's where it comes in in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, where it says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Do we know these verses? Absolutely, brethren. But do they still hold truth in our lives in the toughest situation? Absolutely. I'm glad you know it. I'm glad it's in your heart. I'm glad you've memorized it. But remember it when real life takes place. It's one thing to know it, but it's another thing to put it in play. Brethren, God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Are we about the business? God wants to be with us. And what do we see with Ruth? We see blessings from the Lord. Think about it. Turn with me to Ruth chapter 4, and I want you to just listen to this. Ruth chapter 4, verse 13. She's done all these things. She's wanted to be with her mother-in-law. She's wanted to help her out. She's wanted, uh, you know, to have this relationship with Boaz. And now all of a sudden, she gets to. God is blessing her. And look at what they say. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And when he went into her, the Lord gave her conception. She got pregnant. 
she was about to be able to have a child. You know how happy it, hey, we got so many in here that have had children. You remember that feeling? <laughs> you remember? I remember when Aaron came and showed me the, th- the stick. I didn't believe it. We got to get a couple more. You need to check that again, right? Check out one more time so I can believe that. You remember how excited you were in that moment? Could you imagine the excitement that Ruth had? It says the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. And then not only that, she gets to hear these women. These women say this. They said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a close relative. How good do you think that made Ruth feel? What comforting things. Think about the application. When I live my life in such a way that I'm going to follow the Lord and somebody's down and out, somebody's struggling, and I go over and I help them out. And I help them do something. It may not be a big thing. It may be a small thing. Maybe I'm working on a project with them. Maybe they need some help moving some equipment. Maybe I need to just go over there and work with them one day. How good of a feeling does that make that person have? What a blessing that is. Think about what Ruth was able to do. She was able to help this bitter old woman become happy again. Oh, the joy that was probably in her eyes. Can you see it? We can have the same effect on people, brethren. But does it really matter? Or is it too much about us and not enough about somebody else? I'm way up here on the list, but others is down here. I know I got to help people, and it really puts me out to do it. But I'm going to do it because God told me to, right? When we do those things and we see the blessings that come from these people's lives, I don't need a pat on my back. I can say, God, I was a part of that, and look at how good they feel. I did that. I was a part of that. She says, look at what the women say. They said, blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a close relative. And may his name be famous in Israel. Oh, he's about to have some famous people in his family, ain't he? Good old Obed's about to have some famous people in his family. He's about to continue a lineage that's going to take him to somebody really big time. We may not see the blessings right now. But know that our labor is what, brethren? It's not in vain, is it? Don't let Satan, as we talked about this morning, put doubt in your head that serving the Lord is for nothing. You may not see it. You may not see it. But it doesn't mean it's not true. I want you to think about this. We need to appreciate, and we see this from the lessons, great character. And we talked about this. Do we appreciate great character amongst the brethren? You know, people who are doing good things, people who are out in the community and people are talking about them. What an encouragement that is to me. 
What an encouragement it is to me to be walking around talking about our congregation and hearing about specific people here that just people look up to. We talked about it in class this morning. Character or uh, the one with integrity is the one who does it when nobody's watching. You know, when nobody's around, it's just who they are. Ruth has no idea as she's living her life that millions of people will read her story. Think about that. You think that Ruth said, you know what, I'm about to make a big time story. And people are going to talk about it a long time from now. Watch the way I act. I'm going to set this up so people can talk about me. She has no idea. She's just trying to make it. It was just who she was. Boy, I can't wait to talk to Ruth. How about you, brethren? You want to talk about a powerful woman in the Bible? Ruth was about the business. God loves us all. But God blesses those who seek righteousness. God blesses those who does the will of him. It goes above and beyond thinking that we're something, thinking that maybe we'll get a pat on the back, like I said earlier. Oh, it goes way beyond that because when you do exactly what the Lord wants you to do, he sees it and he cares about it and he wants to help you. She works hard in the field to provide for her and Naomi. She proves herself to be a virtuous woman. The people say it. Look with me. Ruth chapter 3, verse 11. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you request, for all the people of my town know that you are a virtuous woman. How did they know that? Did somebody, did she announce that to them? No, it's who she was. Do you see the beauty in this? She wasn't trying to do anything except just be who she was. Brethren, are we those type of people? Everything she did showed her character. Think about 1 Peter 2.12, brethren. Having your conduct, how? Honorable amongst the Gentiles. Well, why in the world would I do that? That when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. Let that be your verse this week. That when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they are watching you do, Glorify God. Ruth and Boaz both over and over through this story just compliment each other. Doing the things that godly people do. 
looking out for somebody, helping somebody in need, being virtuous, thinking about somebody else over them. Over and over we see this. That by your good works, which they observe, they'll glorify God in the day of visitation. What else can we learn from the story of Ruth? What about Ruth? Believe redemption is possible. Against all odds, redemption is always possible. Amen, brethren? I mean, isn't that the greatest thing to ever hear, really? Because as these earthen vessels, us as Christians, as children of God, now, I want to hark on this point for just a minute. Because if we believe that redemption is possible and we've been given the ability to tell somebody how to be reconciled to God, why are we not doing it? Why? Do we really believe that it's possible? Against all odds, Ruth was redeemed. She was blessed. And not only that, Naomi was as well. God took a poor, hurting, outcast woman and presented a way for her to be redeemed. Boaz saved her. Redemption is possible to anyone. No matter what you've been through, no matter what you have done, God has a plan for you. But you have to get in on it. I remember speaking at the VBS at Corinth, and I can't even, I know him well, and he's going to be mad at me if he sees this video. I hope he doesn't, but I cannot remember his name. Uh, he speaks at, he preaches at Old Union. But he, he gave an illustration of this money being up here on the table. And he said, I got this free gift for you. I got this money, and if you need it, then you can come get it. He offered a free gift to you. But what was the deal? That you had to come up and get it, Right? He wasn't going to hand it to you. He was going to allow you to have it, but you had to do your part. That is exactly how it works when it comes to salvation. I have a free gift for you, but here's what I need you to do. I need you to do these things. Believe, repent, confess, be baptized, and live faithful. Here's the gift. Do you want it? Come and get it. If you don't, then you won't. Here we see Ruth doing the things that she was supposed to do, doing the things that she uh, had to do to make it right. And because of that, she was blessed. She was redeemed. Brethren, when we do what God says, he'll not only redeem us from our sins, he'll redeem us all the time when we get in such a way, when we're doing things we're not supposed to do and we ask for forgiveness. What does he do? He redeems us. He brings us back. He forgives us and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. You remember what Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 says, In him we have redemption 
through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. And in Galatians 6, 9, remember this, brethren, let us not grow weary while we're doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. God is a redeemer and he wants to be there for us. Don't forget it. And the last thing to consider this evening is we need to leave a legacy. One of the best parts, and it gives me chill bumps, is the legacy that God establishes through Ruth. God brings Boaz and her together. And they continue a lineage that goes to Jesus. Boaz is King David's granddad, great-granddad. King David, you know all the, you know the story. He had them stones in his hand. He had them in that, he pulled that thing out, and what did he do? He slung that thing, and he killed a big old giant. Yeah, that king came from this story. Ruth the Moabitess becomes part of the lineage of Christ. If we commit our lives to the Lord, we can also leave a legacy to our friends and to our family. Amen? One that will be remembered And I want to close with this thought. We talked about it in class. And I want to say this uh, before we leave. Brethren, I love you all so very much. Oh, here we go again. Yep, here it is. (laughs) You ready? We're about to get motivated. Go change the world. Go find somebody that's struggling and talk to them. Give them some words of encouragement. Because you know that you've been saved. You know that you have been redeemed. Go tell somebody else. Go encourage somebody who's a Christian who isn't doing what they're supposed to be doing. Be strong. Be courageous. And know that God is with you. And we're with you too. What a blessing it is to have brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. I need you, brethren. Pray for me this week. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. But think about this when we leave a legacy. We talked about this in class this morning, and I thought it was so fitting. Proverbs 20, verse 7. It says, The righteous man walks in his integrity, and his children are blessed after him. What type of person are you? You're going to leave a legacy. You're either going to leave a good one or you're going to leave a bad one. What kind of legacy do you want to leave for your family, for your friends? You know what kind of legacy I want to leave, brethren? And please help me to accomplish this. When people talk about me at my funeral, this is what I want them to say about me. He loved the Lord. 
and he served him. With all his heart. You know if you do that, it takes care of everything else, don't it? You love your wife. You love your husband. You love your children. A righteous man walks in his integrity. You know, them, your children may not see it right now. They may hate your guts. I know it. I've hated my parents' guts, right? Can't stand them. But the way that they walked, the things that they did, I still think about it today. I still think about the things that they told me to not be a part of. And I did it anyway. Be a blessing to your friends. Be a blessing to your family. Be a blessing to the ones you work with. Be different. And be special. And they'll remember you. And you know when they get down and out, they'll remember who you turn to in those tough situations. And they just might do it as well. Plant the seed. Water it, brethren. God will cause the increase. He says, I'm in it with you. Maybe you're here today and you need prayers. Maybe you're here today and you're struggling. Maybe you're here today and you need to obey the gospel. Please, don't wait. Don't miss another opportunity. We had an opportunity this morning. You've, got, you've had time up until this point, but we are not promised another minute. This could be it. Jesus, Jesus Christ could come back right now, and, and I'm praying for that. Aren't you? Maranatha, Lord, come quickly. But right now you have the opportunity to be added to his family before he comes. Jesus said, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. Sins forgiven, washed away, added to his family. If you need to obey the gospel, come right now. Together we stand and sing.